0: Welcome to Enterprising, a podcast from Enterprise Bank & Trust that's empowering business leaders, one conversation at a time. We'll hear from different business leaders about how they've found success in cultivating their professional networks and keeping them healthy and strong. I'm your host, Alana Mueller, an entrepreneurial executive leader whose primary focus is to connect, inspire, and empower community. We at Enterprise Bank & Trust thank you for tuning in to another episode. Welcome back to another episode of Enterprising Podcast. Today, I have with me Maria Maffrey. Maria leads business development for BNIM, an architecture firm that delivers beautiful, integrated living environments that inspire change and enhance the human condition. She is a visionary leader who leads from her core personal values and sees no limit to what is possible. And before we get started, I have to share a personal disclosure. I've had the privilege to know or know of Maria for many, many years, as she has a stellar reputation in my own Kansas City professional community. Additionally, though different class years, our children attended school together from the time they were kindergartners through senior graduation, and we serve on the Kansas City Regional Advisory Board of Enterprise Bank together. So... It is a particular honor to welcome Maria Maffrey to today's episode of Enterprising. Hi, Maria.
1: Hi, Alana. Thank you so much for engaging with me, and I'm so excited of the multiple connections that we have. So great to be
0: with you. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. I want to kick off our conversation by learning about your career journey. If you would, tell our listeners about BNIM and about your own background that led you there.
1: Sure. It's an interesting and unique background in today's age, I would say. So first of all, BNIM is an innovative leader in designing high-performance environments. So we are a group of architects, landscape architects, graphic designers, and planners who create environments that, as you have already said, inspire change and enhance the human condition. And what drew me to BNIM is really their strong mission and purpose, I um, basically started at BNIM after college. So I was in college at Washington University in St. Louis and, you know, had taken a year off, took a gap year before gap year was a thing, came back to Kansas City and ultimately landed at, at BNIM. It was meant to be a very temporary gig while, you know, I took some time to really figure out what I wanted to do. And of course, ended up, you know, 30 Almost 32 years later, here I am. And so that's, I know, unusual to be in a place for so long. But what I think people would find interesting about my journey is, uh, you know, when I started, we were about 38 people mainly just in Kansas City. And I interestingly started initially as, I think back in the day, it was even a secretary, not an executive assistant. Wow! Right? (laughs) So back in the day. Right. Which we would not say that today, would we? No, no, would not be appropriate. But I, you know, served as the secretary for Tom Nelson, the N of BNIM and Steve McDowell, The M of BNIM. And they knew right away that I was not going to stay in that position for very long. And so, really, pretty quickly, we started having conversations about what is it that you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? They helped me really kind of work through that, to be honest with you. I didn't have the answers. I explored a lot of different things, I explored graduate school. Options. And in the meantime, they convinced me to just stay until I figured out what I was going to do. And so I did. And what that led to, though, was them allowing me to figure out, you know, what I was meant to do within BNIM. And so I was able to serve in several different capacities. They let me explore in several different areas. And ultimately, of course, where I ended up was in marketing. Now, back when I started, marketing was not big in AEC firms. It was sort of at its infancy. And so, you know, sort of as I grew, as the firm grew, as the industry grew, we all grew together.
0: Was there a particular, I don't know, was there an event or something that caused architecture firms to begin to think about marketing to generate business or or was it just sort of an organic organic experience where there was sort of a recognition that there was more competition in the space what what was it that had you you know sort of encouraged you to go there
1: right i think it was more organic so the way that architecture firms quite frankly get business is what we call a seller doer model so we had architect i was working alongside architects cutting and pasting skies from magazines with images of (laughs) projects that we had completed (laughs) and creating proposals to get more work. And I think, you know, eventually people started just getting more sophisticated. I'm trying to think of the programs that even um, Quark, I think was the first sort of (laughs) desktop publishing
0: program. Oh my gosh. I mean, I thought you were going to say like, um, Oh, BIM modeling at one point became a big deal. I mean, it's so interesting. I I don't even know if those are um, CAD cam. I don't know if you were using any of that. But when you say cut and paste, I'm, I'm like literally thinking about getting a pair of scissors and a magazine and cutting it out of a magazine and pasting it on a board for like almost like a We would call it a dream board or a vision board today, but that's not what it was then. (laughs)
1: That's how we did it back in the day. It was amazing. So, you know, as time evolved and technology became an important factor in what we did, I think that's really when it started to change because proposals started to get more sophisticated. Everybody started getting into it. And so it just became far more competitive.
0: So first of all, I love your story. And it's, isn't it just sort of, it's almost like that, age-old, almost like American dream story where you go off to college, you come back, you start at the very bottom and work your way up. And your title now, if I'm not mistaken, is something like Principal and Chief Business Development Officer. It's like, It's Talk about you've come a long way, baby, right? I mean, things have really changed, not just the vernacular, but the fact that, first of all, huge credit to sort of those leaders who came before you who saw the potential in you and gave you the opportunity, especially as a woman in a, you know, often male dominated space, but gave you that chance and saw your potential and helped you to advance it. And, and for your courage to say, you know what, I'm going to stick it out until I figure out what's next and allowing yourself the chance to continue to move forward. So how cool is that?
1: Yeah, thank you. I do feel so fortunate that I landed at BNIM and that they gave me the space And, you know, all the support and encouragement to figure out where I really needed to be, what I, what strengths I needed to lean into. So yeah, they were lifelong mentors, as you can imagine.
0: So thinking about even your work today, what's something that you're working on professionally that you're particularly proud of or excited about? And and who are some of the key players who are involved?
1: So right now, I'm really working on a business development strategy plan, and there are several facets of it that I think are, are really important. So one is we're getting ready to switch to a new CRM platform vantage point. And um, in thinking about making that switch, I thought it was important for us because of that switch, the timing, but also because of where we are in the firm in terms of you know growing and emerging leadership. I thought it was important for us to take the time to really do a client relationship mapping exercise. And so we are currently in the throes of doing that. And it's going to take, you know, multiple, multiple hours. But the idea is that we really identify not just clients, quite frankly, it's clients, consultants, collaborators. And we really just kind of lay everything out And we identify a primary contact and a secondary contact. And this will give them, you know, basically a personal plan for who do I need to be in touch with on a regular basis. I love that. I mean,
0: that's something that really anybody could use in any company in terms of whether it's the client mapping or contact mapping, just from a purely networking perspective and personal growth perspective. So the fact that you can use that to identify you know who are the important participants both internally and externally for you and then who's responsible for making those connections and i i assume that the CRM system, you're going to show kind of that series of touch points. But talk a little bit about that. Is that something that's already baked into the system? Or is that something that you're custom designing?
1: So we're going to build a custom program for the many touch points for people to be in touch with our clients and contacts. Because right now, you know, when they're going to meet with prospective client initially, they sort of want to bring everything. And I also want to just teach them Always leave a little piece hanging so you have a reason to be in contact with them again. And also a big part of it is teaching them to not go in with things, but to go in and really listen, because I think that is the key to relationship building, right? We are in the business of relationship building, and it's really teaching them to listen and think about what the follow-up items are going to be, but we will custom build that. I love the idea of sort of leave them wanting more, right?
0: So and that that you're sort of strategically thinking about your next touch point, your the, the next reason or not excuse, but yeah, yeah, I guess the next reason to go back to somebody. And so that it's a constant chain of communication. and you don't have to sort of leave it all on the table. In the first interaction.
1: Well, and you want to show to them that you were really listening. You know, you really heard what their hot buttons are, what they're really interested in. And quite frankly, sometimes, you know, for me, sometimes it's a personal thing. Sometimes it's a professional thing. You know, it's like, oh, we were talking about, you know, going on a trip to Japan. I happened to just go on a trip to Japan. So sending them some information about, you know, some key places you want to see are things that you can't miss when you do there. You know, so I think it's baking all of that into the process. The other facet of it is, other component of it is creating a civic engagement strategy. You know, again, architects in particular, and I know engineers and, you know, others are not, they like to hang out with their people. (laughs) generally. And so when we go to events and things like that, it's really trying to get them out of their comfort zone and get them in client facing positions. And again, crafting this civic engagement strategy around that to get them more visibility. Great suggestion. So
0: that's sort of an exciting thing going on. You know, on on the flip side, every business faces challenges, whether it's a downturn or something like COVID that hits us. Talk about a, a challenge or an obstacle that you and Or the company have overcome and how did you make that happen for yourself?
1: We've all faced them, right? For us, the one that comes to mind actually was the crash of 2008. You know, when that happened at the time, BNIM's clients were primarily corporate clients. We were doing a lot of work with developers and workplace clients, and of course, when the economy tanked, nobody was building. Nobody was thinking about their workspace, everybody was, you know, scrambling. And so that really made us focus on looking internally. And a couple things happened. One is, we really focused on diversifying our client type. So we can't put all our eggs in one basket, we need to make sure that we are, you know, so diversified that it's going to be recession proof or at least get us through the recession. So we really built a BD strategy around that at the time. And then the other thing that we really focused on was because we had the time is to think about who are we really and who do we want to be? And in that timeframe, actually, in the process of doing that, we were nominated for and won the 2011 AIA National Design Award. And that we're the only firm, yeah, we're the only firm in Kansas City. It is the highest award that an architect can get in the U.S. It really means something. It means something. It is the pinnacle of an architecture firm's sort of, you know, awards that they can receive and they only select one a year. And so we won that. In 2011, and it was because of the work that we had done, we really refined our mission and vision and were able to clearly articulate that and demonstrate that through, you know, the firm's history. And so we were selected because of our design excellence and because of our leadership in sustainable design,
0: that's sort of one more of those examples where there's a silver lining moment. It, it feels like a crisis at the time. There's you know something very challenging is going on, and people really do sort of rise to the occasion to figure out a way forward. And in the case that you're describing. BNIM was was recognized nationally for its excellence. So what a fabulous story. So great. You talked already a, a little bit about some of your personal advisors. Talk a, about some of the best business advice you've received. What's is there a sort of one thing that stands out to you, the best piece of business advice that you've received through your career?
1: I think one thing that I always tell people and that I heard it learned is lead with authenticity and curiosity. I think if you remain curious, just genuinely curious, you're going to be interested in other people, other events, things that are happening in the world. I think it's important to kind of be open to all of that, right? It leads to openness and authenticity. I think people know when you're being authentic and genuine, right? It's We can cut through all the stuff these days, even with all the social media and everything else. It's like people really Feel that, and you want people to feel comfortable and embraced, seen and heard, right? (laughs) So
0: true. So true. Well, so with that as kind of the launch point, I know that you personally are and have always been a major advocate for the next generation of professional leaders. Tell us about how you inspire them to understand the importance of actively participating in their communities, actively participating and in being involved in their companies and, and contributing their talents to what they do. How do you see that manifest itself and how do you engage with young people?
1: So at BNIM, because that is um, one of the things that's so important to me, several years ago, we really looked at our professional development in review process and we were hearing from people that it was a very painful process it was happening once a year it was being done with people that they had not really necessarily engaged with on a day-to-day basis and so there were a group of us that really pushed that effort to create a new program that we call Thrive and it is based around advocacy so every architect you know every designer that works at BNIM is paired with an advocate and it's that person's responsibility to advocate for them. They are, you know, sitting at the table, having conversations, looking out for that person's best interest. And we have, you know, quarterly meetings to do that. And because we have those quarterly meetings to do it, it prompts the advocates to, you know, regularly be in touch with these people, have lunches, coffees, happy hours, to kind of check in and say what's going on, how are you doing, what can we do from a professional development standpoint? And then when we have those sessions, you know, every advocate is advocating for one of their people. So one of the coolest things I've ever heard in
0: terms of professional development, ongoing development, succession planning, and advocacy because you don't often hear that it's both the responsibility and that both sides of that equation both the advocate and the mentee so to speak both are accountable not only to one another but to the company to make sure that this process stays in place so i think that's brilliant has it has it been well received through the organization
1: very well received we you know have done surveys we do surveys every year how's the program going how are people feeling by the way we call the mentees advocados Okay, that's cute. Advocates. I mean, there were Listen, I work with designers. There were all kinds of diagrams and drawings and we're very visual people. So, we had to, you know, make it fun.
0: I love it. I see I see sort of a, a plush toy in our future yeah. here. <laughs>
1: And you can visualize it. You can actually see it, right? (laughs) That's brilliant.
0: That's brilliant. Well, so, you know, I always ask one or more just sort of fun questions as we begin to wrap up our conversation. And the first question I have for you is what's on your nightstand?
1: So I have this great book. I heard this woman speak recently at an Arts KC event that we held. And her name is Susan Magsman. And her book is Your Brain on Art. It's all about how the arts transforms us. And it's based in neuroscience and how it improves critical thinking and empathy. It reveals how exposure to art and participation in art and creative activities creates positive brain changes. I happened to hear her speak at just the right time because my father, who just turned 90, you know, we're all in that aging parent in realm right now. And he suffered a stroke last fall so you know having him listen to classical music i think really enhances his mood and his brain activity and all the things that i think are really important for his healing that's really amazing and you know you do
0: hear a lot about the importance not just sort of the beauty associated with art but that it enhances critical thinking and as you're describing really enhances quality of life so what a wonderful example. I love that. I'll have to check out that book. So the one question I have literally asked every single guest who's ever been on enterprising podcast is this. It is, if you were to go grab a cup of coffee with someone, anyone, and I don't care if fictional, non-fictional, living, not living, who would it be and why? Who would you want to go grab a cup of coffee with?
1: It's always hard to pinpoint one person, right? (laughs) how many people have actually said one person in my case it would be two people it would be my father's parents so i was born in indonesia and immigrated here when i was about 3 years old and and so when i was younger we used to go back and forth to indonesia to visit our family and i have this distinct memory which is not the best memory <laughs> of both of them sort of being ill and and me as a little girl being very scared, right? Being very afraid to approach them. But, you know, just in looking back, I think I would love to have gotten to know them a little bit better, understand the complexities of their lives, and especially raising 10 children. I think that would have been really fascinating to hear how they navigated all of that.
0: I just think that's beautiful. I mean, you know, if we could each pick somebody from, you know, from our family tree to go back and just Ask them about how they mustered the courage to do what they did, how they were able to navigate this life. You know, I think for us, I'll I'll speaking for myself, you know, being without my phone for five minutes makes me hyperventilate. So, you know, they certainly didn't have the, the technologies or the access that we have today. And so it would be a remarkable conversation. So I think that's really beautiful, really beautiful. Well, My friend and somebody who I admire in our community, Maria Mrafri, I have loved having you on Enterprising Podcast. Tell our listeners where they can go to learn more about you and about BNIM.
1: Well, BNIM has an amazing website. It's very robust. We are rebuilding it right now. So definitely go to our website, BNIM.com. And we've just started a podcast series recently as well that you can get a link from our website as well.
0: Fabulous, Maria Maffrey. Thanks for being on Enterprising Podcast. Thank you again so much, Alana. It was a pleasure. Thanks for joining us this week on Enterprising. Be sure to visit our website, enterprisebank.com slash podcast to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. If you found value in today's program, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or telling a friend about us. Enterprising, powering business leaders, one conversation at a time. The views expressed by enterprising presenters or guests are those of the presenter or guest and not necessarily of Enterprise Bank & Trust or its affiliates. All content of this podcast and any related materials are for informational purposes only. Enterprise Bank and Trust does not make any warranty, express or implied, including warranties of merchantability and fitness for a particular purpose, and specifically disclaims any legal liability or responsibility for the accuracy, completeness, or usefulness of any information presented. Enterprise Bank and Trust is not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided in this podcast. All statements and opinions are subject to change without notice.